0: Good morning, everyone. It is the 25th of July. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Alex Byrne. Equity markets were buoyed by hopes that inflation might be close to a peak, and US bond markets enjoyed something of a rally back to levels not seen for almost two months. The week started with confirmation of a sharp fall in second quarter GDP in China, even as the government there attempts to contain new COVID outbreaks. But central banks stole the spotlight. This time it was the turn of the European central bank to surprise the markets, Alex.
1: Morning, Lorna. That's right. The ECB had long flagged a 0.25% hike. Instead, they raised by higher than expected 0.5%. It's their first hike since 2011 and significantly taking the rate to zero from negative. In addition, they also launched their awaited Transmission Protection Instrument, or TPI. The move was unexpected after waiting so long to address the obvious inflation that most of the developed central banks have done for a number of months. Raising by more than signalled and taking the rate to the precipice of positive territory was extremely unusual, perhaps telling that something has suddenly changed to worry the policymakers. What should have been more consequential prior to the surprise was the adoption of the TPI. Put simply, the ECB is trying to stop the diverging of rates between euro countries, that it considers unwarranted. That is, where speculation by investors is driving the yields apart rather than fundamentals. However, in order to benefit from the TPI, those underlying countries must abide by the recommendations given by the EU Commission. In a way, this is the ECB's first real action to address its long-forgotten second mandate, which is to support the Eurobloc's economic policies.
0: Yes, and it is a tricky moment for the ECB. We've had disruption, as you say, recently in the peripheral bond markets of the Eurozone, and it's certainly not being helped by political developments in Italy at the moment.
1: Indeed, if almost by chance, Prime Minister Mario Draghi, who's brought relative stability and has helped to steady the ship in Italy, resigned as PM. The spread or the divergence between the yields on Italian government bonds over German bonds has waned dramatically over recent months, and obviously more so with this unsettling news that ushers in fresh elections, in Italy. Based on the same day as the announcement of TPI puts its purpose immediately in the spotlight as the Italian government debt could instantly become eligible for the new instruments' involvement. The big caveat, however, Italy sticking to a plan which will make it compliant with the EU-funded recovery plan. If it fails to do so, the eligibility for TPI disappears and perhaps the effect on the country's fixed income could become even more extreme than if it had done before the TPI was introduced.
0: And certainly, Christine Lagarde, the ECB president, was very keen to stress that this new TPI should be viewed as a fail-safe anti-fragmentation tool, perhaps hoping that that would be her Mario Draghi moment, if you like. But we mentioned earlier the bond markets seem remarkably calm in the face of these sharply rising interest rates, and that's perhaps in response to some poor indicators on business sentiment.
1: That's right. I guess as we've alluded to previously, data has remained fairly robust in the face of the obvious forthcoming storm. However, the forecast seems now to be paying attention. The Philly Fed Manufacturing Survey, a heavily scrutinised data point, was starkly negative. Expected to rebound slightly but remain positive from negative three point three to negative two point five, it instead dropped to negative twelve point three. A reading that points to expectations of business conditions worsening significantly going forward. Then we had purchasing manager surveys for a number of economies, but most importantly, importantly perhaps in Germany, the powerhouse of European manufacturing and industry. The PMI number for both services and manufacturing turned into downturn territory finally from the record sticky highs we've seen during the recovery. The number of both now has dropped below the expansion level of 50 and again way below the forecast level. The same is true of the PMI numbers in Europe as a whole, both numbers strongly undershooting their forecasted level, and with manufacturing also now dropping below 50, the threshold between positive and negative expectations.
0: But there have also been concerns that the second quarter reporting season could bring indications of worsening conditions. How are the results looking so far?
1: So far on a cap-weighted basis, we've had about 25% of companies in the US reporting. It's still early days, but the results have been somewhat telling. There continues to be few negative surprises, less than 10% so far, but there is far more even a split between earnings beats and those in line with expectations, 49% and 42% respectively. So on the face of it, so far so good, right? But we must look through this. We have to look at the performance across sectors. Materials and energy continue to benefit from higher commodity prices, although, as we've seen in the market, this may be coming to an end. Also, the defensive sectors like healthcare and consumer staples have also delivered well, as would be expected. IT will likely be where the most interesting story is. This has certainly borne the brunt of the sell off as yet, but only 8% of companies have so far reported. What will be more important than usual is the forward guidance given by companies, how they feel about the economy, and the effect this will have on their businesses and revenues. Key will be how much. The US dollar strength is proving a headwind to international businesses. How much are supply chain and labour shortages still a theme? When will inflation peak? And with all these things, will it ease too late to avoid recession?
0: Yes, and those words will be very closely analysed, no doubt. But nearer term, in the week ahead, we will watch developments in Italy with interest. But the headlines will be dominated by the Fed meeting. There's a press conference on the 27th. Will it be 75 basis points, as expected, or even 100 basis points hike from the Fed?
1: Well, after the surprise of 100 basis points from the Bank of Canada, I think either is probably possible. Market expectation is probably for a 75 basis point rise. Importantly, this takes us to within 100 basis points of where market participants believe the peak rates level would be. The key question is what guidance Chair Powell will provide regarding the size of the likely rate hike in September. He's likely to remind that fund rates is now at the Fed's estimate of the longer run. But from this new level, the gradient rises are expected by the market to lessen. 50 basis points in September, 20. Basis point hikes in November and December to a terminal rate of between 3.25 and 3.5. This is critical and is yet very open to change. Notably, we also do have the US PC inflation due, expected at 4.7 versus 4.7 last month. The market will be crossing its fingers that this spells the peak of the inflation cycle.
0: Yes, because these central banks are now becoming even more data dependent again. On the GDP growth front, then, we have some figures due this week.
1: With a number of countries teetering on the edge of recession. We could very well have a major economy in recession by the end of the week. The key ones to watch will be the US, where Q1 GDP was at negative 1.6, and the expectation is to only rise to positive 0.4. And France, where Q1 was negative 0.1, and Q2, the expectation is only positive 0.2. Also, Germany will be quite interesting. Although posting positive growth in Q1 of 0.2, the expectation is for only 0.1%
0: growth this quarter, hardly world-leading. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna.